High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Lido missed the boat that day he left the shack. Welcome everyone, I'm Brian Rodriguez and this is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. This is a, this is a sad day, a sad day indeed, because I of course am joined by Kyle Reinfried. And it's always sad whenever I join anything. <laughs> <laughs> some have argued that, I'm sure. I don't agree with that, but the lease on our San Emilio Island bungalow is up for the summer, and we got to go back to our normal lives, our normal jobs. Got to put on those ties and those those leather shoes, and <laughs> even though you and I both don't have jobs like that, but we got to go back. I'm going back to school. You're going back to whatever it is you do. No, kitchen, man, maybe. I'm just going to... I'm just gonna what's a squatter, you know, I'm gonna squat squat rights. You're gonna be the big kahuna. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> but this is our final, final episode of the summer. Of course you'll be on other episodes, Kyle. But yeah, I mean it's been a blast. I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but I wanna remind you guys out there, we're about to start our senior year, so this stuff is really important. Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating. Write us a positive review. And if you don't want to do that, or if you've done that already, tell a friend about High School Slumber Party and all the fun we've had this summer. And the fun we're going to have our senior year of high school. Of course, as well, class participation is a huge part of your grade. So participate on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And just a reminder, check out all the other episodes of High School Slumber Party in the archive at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. We spent all last week talking Twilight Eclipse. That was super fun. But we're back to the beach one last time here to talk Big Wednesday. We've made a lot of drinks this summer. We've had some good times. It's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. I mean, it's mostly bitter. I don't think there's a sweet part of it. Yes, we did use a lot of bitters in our drinks. We did. We did use a (laughs) lot of bitters. (laughs) We posted a bunch of summer break drink videos as well on our social media, so check that out as well. 
Let's get into Big Wednesday. We we have plenty of time for goodbyes at the end of the episode. You made me aware of this film. I had no idea of its existence. When did we talk about it? One of the probably Beach Party movies. Yeah, right? one of the surfing movies. I forget too many Mai Tais. But yeah, Big Wednesday. It's a film I didn't remember a whole lot about, but I definitely remember it being on like in the background, like at college. And then, like, just, like, learning about it a little bit. Or just recognizing it from, like, John Milius's the director's IMDb. And then learned a little bit more about it on a documentary. I believe it's called, like, Milius, a uh, documentary about the said filmmaker. And, uh, yeah, it was nice, uh, you know, revisiting it and you know, definitely, you know, watching it from start to finish. Just on the director here. I've been looking at the proper pronunciation, and then I saw someone say Miley's. Have you heard that? My, Miley Cyrus? Yes, John Miley Cyrus. No. <laughs> uh, I just always heard Milius. I heard that too, but then like when I was looking at the behind the scenes of this, they were saying Miley's. So I guess it's one of these things that everyone pronounces it one way, but it might be pronounced another way. Huh. <laughs> I don't know. I knew him more as a screenwriter, to be honest with you. Okay. He wrote Apocalypse Now, which is one of my favorite films. And that's really, really where I first heard his name. I know he also wrote and directed Red Dawn, a movie we covered here with our mutual friend Dan Ferrara. So we've talked about him on High School Slumber Party before. I know he wrote like the Dirty Harry films. The other thing I was, and I didn't know there was a documentary about him. What's that on, by the way? I believe Netflix. I believe it was a Netflix documentary. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. I, I also know him from, I think he did that show Rome on HBO. Yeah, that was, I think, one of his, like, last... Because when, when, when did he pass away? He passed away... Um, not, <laughs> because he's still alive. Oh, he's still alive? Oh, did he have, he had a... <laughs> oh, no, the, the, what, he had a stroke? I don't know. Oh, health, problem, of... health problems, let me see. Oh, yeah, he had a stroke, he had a stroke. Okay, no, I'm sorry. All right, well, he so was sorry. On a... He was unable to speak, but he ultimately recovered. So we're happy you're still with us. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. All right. I just I just remembered like that sad aspect of the documentary and I could have I just could have sworn that he passed away. Well, he will one day as we all, so <laughs> Yes. That's that is that is true. But Rome Rome was a show that was really, really ahead of its time. It only ran for two seasons, but it's definitely the precursor to Game of Thrones. Um, not like literally, you know, it's not like a Game of Thrones prequel, but um, in terms of like big budget HBO thing, 2005 to 2007, really check out Rome because it's excellent. Just people were not ready for it. The budget was too high. People watched it, but HBO at the time was like, why the hell are we funding this high budget project? And then they funded Game of Thrones like, oh, that makes sense. But yeah, he's great. I don't know much about his personal life i'll definitely check out that documentary but yeah it gets into it because he ends up being like blackballed pretty much oh. from hollywood yeah i wasn't aware of that at all so i don't know people just really didn't respond to uh red dawn and after that he just like i mean you know there's some stuff after that obviously rome is one of them but uh yeah, that was many many years later though yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I just remember there. But I also thought that he was dead. So take my, what I say with a grain of salt, people. <laughs> Very much alive, healthy, lives in Tampa. I don't know. <laughs> Does he live in Tampa? No, that's Wade Boggs. But oh. it's okay. <laughs> who is dead? So. <laughs> 
Oh, we are we are knocking him out of the park today. Just wait, like Wade Box is dead. Yes. When did wait. he die? Oh no, he didn't die. <laughs> no, he didn't die. He's very much alive. Lives in Tampa. That's a quote from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He does live in Tampa. I was not thinking of Weed Box. Never mind. <laughs> I was thinking of someone else. And I, you know, let's not there, like we yeah, keep screwing. There's up. a It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode where they do a drinking challenge on a plane because Wade Boggs is famously or infamously known to like drink a lot and drink a crazy amount of. Beers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, the Wade yeah. Boggs challenge. And and on that episode, Char- Charlie keeps going. Wade Boggs, rest in peace. And everyone's just like, no, very much alive. Healthy, it was in Tampa. So anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. He is alive. <laughs> this is my excuse for thinking he was dead. Kurt Hennig, a very, very famous wrestler known as Mr. Perfect. Ah, yeah. Best friend of Wade Boggs. Passed away at the very young age of 44. And Wade Boggs famously like did either his eulogy or like his Hall of Fame speech, and he was very emotional about it. And like that's what I was associating with it. I was in my head it was Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect which was his wrestler name, doing the speech for Wade Boggs, but it was the opposite. So there you go. Gotcha. We're, just, we're just screwing up dead and living uh, left and right here. You know, all those Mai Tais, all, <laughs> all those you know drinks that we've made this summer, I think are getting to our heads. I need a little bit of a break. I need maybe a dry September. Who knows? <laughs> we're, uh, uh, what are we talking about again? Big Wednesday? Whatever. This is... <laughs> This is a big yeah. Di- <laughs> yeah, I think we were talking that. Yeah, I, like I said, I had never heard of this film. When you talked about it, you're like, I think it's a high school movie. So I watched the first 20 minutes of it, and I was like, oh, it's a high school movie. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to yeah. multiple acts of different jumping years and stuff like that, but that's okay. It's not a complete high school movie, but I thought it would lean well into what our next series on high school slumber party is going to be more on that later but it also ties in a lot not just the beach movies but mostly the beach party movies we talked about early in this summer series we've been doing here so let's get into it let's talk about it should i read the back of the dvd i think i will this is kind of a long one so bear with me No matter what rolled into the tides of time, California surfing buddies Matt, Jack, and Leroy knew they'd stick together, and they'd be ready when a rare 20-foot swell hit the coast at last. Big Wednesday celebrates surfing as much as the most dedicated kid who ever waxed a board, okay? (laughs) It's also a fascinating 1962-1974 chronicle of friendships and lifestyles in transition. John... Milius, Milius, directs and co-scripts with a passion for the ultimate ride and a truthful feat for those turbulent times. I mean, yeah, this is this is a surf movie. It's very much a surf movie. I'm very curious of what your thoughts are. A little background, John Milius, Milius, a oh god, this is going to bug me. <laughs> Regardless, John, director John. He was a California guy. He was a surfer as well. He knew people like these people in the film. Definitely, definitely wanted to tell this story. But you had a really big production note last time, Kyle, in regards to this movie. Do, do you want to say it again? Because I think this is what the movie is most famous for, actually. So when it comes to Big Wednesday, or when it comes to John Milius, Milius, uh, he is part of that, what were they called? The, you know... 
The brat, the brat pack. The brat yeah. pack, yeah. No, I'm kidding. No. No. no <laughs> I'm that's, kidding. That's Judd Nelson. Well, no, that's, like, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> no, but they were called something. They had a name. I don't know. Yeah. I thought they were, but anyway. New so he Hollywood, was part. New Hollywood, maybe? Yeah. But anyway, he's friends with all those uh, 70s LA directors. So uh, Coppola and Lucas and Spielberg and De Palma. Uh, who else am I forgetting? Scorsese was New York, but all of them were buddies. But they were still friends. Scorsese and, and and like you said, Coppola is technically New York, but he moved out to California. True. You know? yes. Like there were California people, but Scorsese was in the group. Yes, and so they're all like you know, kind of like working on one of those projects. Like you said, he then you know writes Apocalypse Now. He wrote the uh, Indianapolis speech in Jaws, and you know they all helped one out. Used obviously similar actors and everything like that. And so when it came time for this film, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg thought this film would be like the American graffiti, uh, which you have covered, of uh, of surfing films. And that was destined to be such a hit that they famously traded profit points on their next two films. Lucas's being the original Star Wars and Spielberg's being Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And, uh, you know, and so they traded that with Milius for Big Wednesday. This trade would earn Milius millions of dollars while his own film would flop at the box office. And that's the big story of this film, right? The fact that, like, George Lucas and Spielberg believed in it. As you said, they thought it was going to be (laughs) American Graffiti. And I could see why they would think that. I could definitely see why, because it is like it falls under these also... um, uh, you know, it has like a little bit of uh, easy. It's like American Graffiti meets like Easy Rider in a way. So my biggest criticism of this film, off the bat, is the fact that it's not more like American Graffiti or even Easy Rider or even Jaws, as Spielberg said it was going to be. What Jaws meets American Graffiti, I think he said at one point. All those films that I mentioned take place over a short amount of time. Between a weekend, a couple weeks, a night, in the case of American Graffiti. And this film's title actually has a day of the week in it. So one would think that, like, Big Wednesday takes place on a Wednesday. It's one last, you know, or maybe, like, the next, or Big Wednesday is, like, the end of the movie. And maybe they're all getting together on, like, a Tuesday night for, like, one last get together because they know that they're going to be, you know, some of them are being drafted or yada, yada, yada. And then Wednesday has like amazing swells. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I really liked uh, the way this film looked. I really liked the ending. I liked the beginning. I almost wish, obviously I'm biased. It shows high school slumber party. I wish that the movie was more American graffiti and like the shenanigans of their teen years. Like we get for the first 40 minutes. I wish it was more of that. And then maybe a big reunion on the big Wednesday at the end. I didn't need like the keep flashing forward to random life moments where I was like, wait, he's rich. Now he's poor. Oh, they're together. They're not together. They're together. You know, it's like I was putting it. I was filling in a lot of gaps that I wish I wasn't. Not that I, again, I like this movie, but uh, some of the biggest criticisms of it are the pacing. And I totally, totally get that. This takes place over like, what is it? Like 12 years or something along those lines. Yeah, it starts in 62 and, yeah, it goes to, like, 74. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. The more production notes, though, he wrote this, Milas, or Milas, with Dennis Alberg, 
and Dennis Auberg, his brother, one of the characters is actually based on his brother. So it, he was like a kid that um, Milius grew up with. So, they, you know, this is a personal, personal project for him. Yeah, like you said, he grew up in California, was part of that surfing scene. He's definitely, again, watch the documentary. He's a real character. Uh, like, a lot of also director future directors famous directors like tarantino have drawn inspiration from him or like or actually the most famous character that's supposedly based on milius milius that's really bothering me now too uh (laughs) is um walter from the big lebowski yeah yeah you know we've talked about that movie a lot on our other podcast, P.S. I Love Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah, no. And he looks like him, which I guess. Looks it. like him. Supposedly, he pulled out guns on people. <laughs> like, on exec- like, if he wasn't getting his way of an executive, he was very much just like, you know, I think like anti-conformist, anti-capitalism, and uh, that kind of stuff. Really interesting guy. I clearly have to rewatch the documentary just to see- make sure that he's still alive. Uh, if if he's anything like walter you get why he was like blackballed for a little bit you know (laughs) yeah and and that's even and this is long before the world we're living in now and that's not saying that he did anything i'm you know who knows just that people were like even that sensitive to his actions in like the mid 80s you know late 80s early 90s another film that takes a lot from this is point break a Catherine billick bigelow's film i mean a little bit with bromance but uh there's a lot of a there's a lot of noted similarities between Point Break and this, especially like the way uh, things are shot and stuff. And that Gary Busey's in it. And Gary Busey's in it, of course. Uh, different character, though. Though, one can argue that, is Gary Busey ever a different character? <laughs> that would be amazing if it was the same character. <laughs> He's the same character in everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on. Chet? Uh, Chet Stedman from Rookie of the Year? Okay, so. yeah, that, that's actually his most like muted performance. You're right. I love him in that, and the way he described when he's on the plane, he's talking about Salisbury steaks. Yeah, and there used to be a Salisbury steak hungry man dinner. Is Fuck that? You. Have you ever had that on Foodie Films as a uh, food famous food scene? I think so. I think you have, but I think I have, and also another food because we just mentioned the film. Uh, in Point Break, there's a great meatball parm scene where he has Johnny Utah go get. Two have you parms. have you had that? I believe so. Nice, nice. I need to keep better records. Milius. Um... <laughs> Milias. <laughs> M- no kidding. Milia. <laughs> um, he had this great quote about like what it was like to be on set shooting this movie, making this movie. It was right before he was shooting. I think he looked at the set, which, by the way, it takes place in California, but it was shot mostly in Hawaii. He said, what I've got to watch out for is getting lost in the surf again. It's so alluring, so easy to get lost in. I worry I might lose sight of the characters. Unlike any other film that has been made about surfing, in this one, the characters, not the waves, are most important. And and I, I totally get that. I do, again, I have some character issues. And today, in the world we live in, I think like if someone watches this cold turkey, they might be like, oh my god, these poor white surfers, whatever, you know? But... <laughs> But I get it. Again, this was his childhood. In terms of filming locations, though, he had a crew go around the world to try to get the best surfing waves. Something I think this movie does so well is that, as opposed to the beach party movies, 
it's cut so good that like the stunt surfers and he used like real professional surfers it's almost seamless between the actors and the stunt surfers you know what i mean you don't really notice like you think it's like Gary Busey out there surfing, and that's because like the actors did do some limited surfing, and then they would get really good guys to replace him. Well, they could get interesting shots of waves to cut in there as good transitions too, for sure, and make for it sure. and make it that mesmerizing. They sent the surf crew out to Malibu, El Salvador, so many other places. Uh, they again, they ended up doing most of the stuff in Hawaii, regardless. But you know, famously, they sent when they sent the surf crew out to. El Salvador, like there was no waves, and the entire crew got sick. Um, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to go to El Salvador, or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, like I'll never take away from the beauty of this film. Yeah, no, that's definitely something I really enjoyed, and and now us being kind of uh, students of this genre, or at least taking the you know yeah, well students, yeah, I didn't say. Uh, we have our master's or doctorate so you know this film came out in 78 but it is a period piece which is always interesting when you know like a, there's a movie just about like the decade before but it was just such very a common at the time but yeah but now it's like weird <laughs> well i get I, you know there was just such a culture you know like transition during that time because again so the movie starts in 62 ends in 74 so it's interesting because then the movie the beginning of the movie takes place in between Gidget and the first beach party. Mm-hmm. And so just as far as like where that is and where surfing was at that time and, you know, jumping through the years and we see, you know, definitely some time markers showing surfboards changing, surfers changing, skateboards. And there's an interesting take with that. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was cool to see where it fits in even though obviously it's after all the movies we've covered the beach you know beach movies we've covered then where it's like in that timeline uh, story wise so i i I definitely enjoyed that but then it just does such a great job and i could see you know like i mean i'm sure spielberg doing such a you know water centric you know filming in uh, you know water that that inspired uh I'll just say John uh, inspired John to finally maybe make this film or tell this story because, like I said, some of those shots are just so mesmerizing and pretty, I think, gra- groundbreaking for the time. Think about where we came from in Gidget. You know, even though he really, really lived this life, you know he watched those Beach Party movies as well and, and took stuff from it because, I mean, it obviously made it better and more realistic, but... Yeah, it didn't make it so as like happy-go-lucky, but there is the same tropes, which I'm sure existed, obviously, in real life. But the fact that you have characters like Bear that we had in these other movies, these older guys that were mentors or, you know, like Mm -hmm. in every film there was kind of that character, whether they were surfers themselves or made the surfboards or ran a cabana, you know, something like that. There were always this kind of like mentory roles, which obviously are... Also, precedent in high school movies and coming-of-age movies. For sure. We have a whole uh, yearbook category about it. Let's get into the cast, though. Is it Jan Michael Vincent or Jan Michael Vincent? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll say Jan. Oh, wow, we were bad today with this. But jo- John Michael Vincent, um, he's one of our leads here of the three guys. He's Matt Johnson. How would you describe the Matt Johnson character? Well, the way we're introduced to him is that I guess he's incredibly hungover, right? That's what I'm assuming, like, in the beginning. And... Yeah, he, he's, he's truly like a, a drunken surf bum stereotype. Yeah. 
I swear to God, I'm never gonna drink again. If she just hadn't have passed out, it'd have been okay. Where's your surfboard? In my car. Where's your car? I don't know. Wait, stop. Wait a minute. Look at that. It's well. Wait a minute. If you want to come through this gate and go down these steps, you have to do it on your own. I remember the three friends best. Matt, Jack, Leroy. It was their time. They were the big names then. The kings. Our own royalty. It was really their place. And their story. Yeah, they're all supposed to be these, like, great, you know, I mean, or in the beginning, these great young surfers that are due for like their break and really make their, uh, you know, mark on the surf world, which we later see that they have at least some recognition for, for in this one documentary that we see in the film. But yeah, out of the three of them, yeah, he's kind of more, he's, yeah, he's drunk, partier, uh, he's in, uh, I guess he's the only one that's in the relationship in the beginning, kind of. Yeah, know, he's in a relationship. Seeing but someone. But know? it's definitely a teenage relationship. It's not a very mature yeah. relationship. He, unfortunately, the actor, had a really tough life. It kind of mirrored the character in Big Wednesday. He had, a, he had a big problem with alcohol. He, unfortunately, passed away in 2019. You know who looks a lot like him? Who? If they like remade it in like the late 90s, early 2000s, Josh Hartnett. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. He's, again, he's someone who I think does a really, really good job here. It's unfortunate what happened to him, but but I did like his character. Uh, William Catt played Jack Barlow. I actually recognized him from Carrie. We just covered oh. Carrie earlier this year. He plays Tommy Ross, which is like uh, the guy Carrie goes to the prom with. And forget, is, is, is he a douche or are the girls kind of just like... It's a little ambiguous. Um, yeah. It turns out... My reading of it, it turns out he's not a douche. It's like the girls around him. But, but he dies in the fire? Like, yeah, everyone pretty much dies in the fire. You know, I thought someone escapes through the vents or something, right? Um, or some kind of shit like that? I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I, I know Carrie gets out, but yeah. No, he uh, he was from that movie. He's mostly known to America as the star of The Greatest American Hero, which was a TV show mm-hmm. on ABC. Um, I thought he did a good job, too. And funny enough, his mother plays his mother in the movie, Barbara Hale. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so the the lady who played his mom (laughs) is his mom, (laughs) which always cool. Always cool. I always love seeing that. Um, And then you mentioned him, Gary Busey. (laughs) That Clydesdale. (laughs) Love Gary Busey. What's the first movie you saw Gary Busey in? Probably was Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Probably. I think it might have been Rookie of the Year, but for me, the first movie I really, like, recognized him in, because it was definitely later. I'm like, oh, shit, that's Gary Busey in Rookie of the Year. The first movie I recognized him in was Black Sheep. Oh, okay. You know, which is kind of around the same time where he's just, like, that reclusive vet. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he definitely starts taking, like, a type, I mean, in Predator 2 and Lethal Weapon and Under Siege, like, you know, they're very similar kind of characters. Hider in the house. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know he he was Buddy Holly right in that movie. Yeah, which I wanted to scroll back and see actually when that came out. I mean, everyone knows Gary Busey at this point. He's just a wild card. We already mentioned again Point Break. Um, <laughs> he's he's good in this. He's good in this. And his character, uh, Leroy the Masochist, is awesome. <laughs> I love I love that name. 
Yeah. I love it. They call him Oki a lot because, you know, a lot of people from Oklahoma moved to uh, California. So they were a big part of that scene. So it's realistic. But it's also like he has such a thick, like, southern, like, or like a Texas accent, I think, that it's really hard to. Though he doesn't play cowboys a lot or anything like that, right? He definitely yeah. has an accent. So. Oh, boy. The Buddy Holly story, which is the name of the movie, came out the same year. Big year for him. Big Wednesday. Big year. Oh, wow. I always. I always thought that movie was like 81. I didn't realize that was 78. Yeah. And you know what? I, I wanted to look it up before. The same year, The Deer Hunter came out. Because I was getting some Deer Hunter vibes from mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. Not not uh, well, the obvious being the involvement of Vietnam. But I mean, that just is such... That is a Vietnam movie. I don't consider this a Vietnam movie. Although it's no. like in a subcategory of it, you know, conversation-wise. But in the case of like kind of jumping around in years and where the guys are and friends falling apart, but kind of coming back together, it just had a similar vibe. So I was curious and I looked it up and it's the same year. So it's not like one got the influence from the other, but I can also, I mean, the deer hunter is one of the best films of all time. So I could just see, um, I didn't, I didn't look specifically when each of them came out during the year, but I could see just some critics being like, Oh, the deer hunter was just an actual version of maybe what Milius kind of wanted to do, which is not, you know, I know he wasn't making his, this wasn't like, you know, how Sylvester Stallone's non movie is Rambo. Like that's, you know, or the first blood I should say. No, no. Yeah, no, but there's, I think a lot of art at the time, you can't help but process Vietnam. So exactly. We definitely get that here. One thing I want to note, you know, speaking of Vietnam, since he did write Apocalypse Now, there is a surfer character in that movie, mm-hmm. who, who, Lance, who's very similar to the characters in this. So it, it definitely makes sense. Also thought it was funny in the film Platoon, there's like a small surfer guy character. It's not weird because it's the same era, but it, it's so weird when you think about like Vietnam, you're plucking kids from around the country and that like a surf guy would meet up with like a guy from Mississippi, he would meet up with a guy from New York, you know. I don't know. I I found it fascinating. It's just it's just such a uh type in general, but type of the time and just obviously in the end of the day while while it is, you know, we see the dangers of of uh surfing in this movie but it's just such an innocence compared to then it's just you know a great visual marker personality marker to show like innocence then innocence lost in vietnam or any war obviously that's i mean how it works well in those other films and yeah and you and you mentioned apocalypse now and you know duval's character the you know whole surfing and talking of uh, of all that i i read that he he was up for the role of uh bear at one point yeah, a lot of people in terms of the cast were like supposedly up for things. Like Tom Berenger was up for the role of Jack. Jeff Bridges, ironically, this has turned down the role of Matt. Um, who knows, really? A lot of big names wanted this. Yeah, just it sounds like the names of the times. And then, you know, Duval, a collaborator of both. I don't think he was in a Spielberg movie. I don't know if he's ever been in a Spielberg movie off the top of my head, but definitely he was in, you know, THX 1138 and uh, Godfather. You know, so yeah, yeah, collaborator of uh, John's friends. In terms of some of the women in the movie, Patty D. Arbenville, she played uh, Sally, and she's more famous for like Andy Warhol stuff. She was one of like the what do you call Factory Girls. So I thought that was oh, that's cool. Um, Lee Purcell played Peggy. I was like, where do I know this name? And Lee Purcell actually 
Have you ever seen the film Valley Girl? Long time ago, even before Cage Club existed, because I know that that's obviously... So look up Lee Purcell in Valley Girl. Mm-hmm. She plays a mom character who I think is the hottest person in the movie. <laughs> She's like a hot mom. She's a hot mom in this movie, too. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what do you mean? Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> in the later scenes. Oh, yeah. Right? R- redhead? <laughs> Stop, Lee. <laughs> um, I already mentioned Barbara Hale, but uh, just one more fact about her. Though she did pass away in 2017 of the very, very, very nice age of 94 years old. This was her last movie. So she acted with her son and then called it quits, which I think is pretty cool. That's Yeah, that's nice. She's mostly known for the television series Perry Mason, which she won in emmy for cool you mentioned bear before who is the big kahuna character he's played by an actor named sam melville thought he did a really good job so i wanted to uh shout him out Mm -hmm. cool cast here overall one guy i hope you know and i know you noticed because you you looked up uh you 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 do your homework and i'm sure you look up the (laughs) the imdb but did you notice our guy in this, Joe Spinell? Yes, yeah, I was gonna, that was one of my notes I was going to bring up, yeah. So Joe Spinell, it's a guy you and I talk about a lot. He plays uh, Gazzo in Rocky. Who's the yeah, again, a, a, big, a big collaborator of, uh, again, Friends of John's. Yeah, so, well, that's, who, who directs, uh, is that John Avnet who directs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's uh, Willie Chichi in The Godfather, so again, Friends. He's in Taxi Driver, I think, right? Like he's in a bunch of stuff around that. That yeah, he's yeah. In, he's and my favorite thing he's ever in of all time is as himself <laughs> in the Oscar nominations for I guess technically seventy six because it's for Jaws and Star Wars came out in seventy five. So I'm assuming it's for the yeah the seventy six Oscar nominations where he's hanging out with Spielberg and Spielberg is nominated along with Fellini where he just says Fellini oh my god and you know oh it, no it's that Spielberg doesn't get nominated for best director. oh yeah he does yes that's the whole thing he yeah, doesn't it's get this nominated really obscure video guys and it's just yeah. like and Joe's, it's amazing it shows Spinell hanging out with Spielberg because they all hung out together like he was like again friends with Francis and friends with all of them and and it's just this video where uh Spielberg's hoping to get nominated for Jaws and because Jaws is like the big blockbuster and it's getting nominated for these other awards and he finds out he wasn't nominated for best director and Joe Spinell goes get he just gets so mad he's like who do you think directed the movie who the shock my name is uh, uh Steve Spielberg and I just directed a movie called uh Jaws and Jaws is about to uh be nominated in 11 categories you're about to see a sweep of the nominations we're very confident at this very moment and uh, so if we, you all have a seat, uh, we'll get on with it. For the best achievement in direction, Federico Fellini for Amacord, New World Pictures, Stanley Kubrick for Barry Lyndon, Warner Brothers, Sidney Lumet for Dog Day Afternoon, Warner Brothers, Robert Altman for Nashville, Paramount, and Milos Oh, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I wasn't nominated. Uh, I got beaten out by Fellini. Uh, that's that's Fellini, Fellini. I can't Wait a second. We have the shark was an actress. I have something to say. I have a lot to say. First of all, being in the, these are my folks. First of all, being in the first Godfather, I have this to say. The Godfather was nominated for the best picture and won, but the director, Bob Fosse, a cabaret won. That's bullshit. You cannot have the best picture unless the director is also nominated. Who made the picture? 
Somebody's mother? The director. This man made yours. Are you kidding? Who's kidding who around here? This is a dark day in Hollywood. Absolutely. <laughs> shiny, this is a very this is dark, a dark day. day for our pals. The greatest picture of all time was made, and they haven't recognized the director. The director. Who made it? The shark? It's a matter of logic. Who made the best picture? All right, all right. Enough. Enough. That's it. Oh. I'm suffering enough. All right. We're suffering. No more. With I'm you. suffering. We're suffering. Cancel my day. Right. We're getting drunk. Cancel my week. Right. Let's go right. to the last I'm going to Palm Springs. On Wednesday. Right. Yeah, first, oh, it's somebody's mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is Italian for mother. Italian-American for mother, if you guys can tell. Great New York accent, Joe Spinell. Not really in, in this. He's a very different character in this. but Yeah, he's a, what, a psychiatrist or kind of uh, something or other. Some kind of doctor. One more thing I want to mention is that Robert England is the narrator. And he's most famous for being Freddy Krueger in The Nightmare on Elm Street series yeah. <laughs> which is like what it's so random <laughs> any anyone else in the film that you wanted to mention um not no not not really i mean i guess uh just that i found interesting jerry lopez plays jerry lopez who is a surfer yeah i didn't realize he was a famous surfer so yeah so that's just like a cool fact that they got like somebody of of the time you know showing the next yeah, generation yeah for sure so uh this film ran way over budget uh the director he just wanted to it was his vision so kept pushing things and pushing things and pushing things when it ended up flopping again you could tell why possibly studios <laughs> stopped liking him for a little while i know he did red dawn after this but that movie had similar issues so i can't stop seeing him as a What's his name from The Big Lebowski now that you mentioned it? Uh, Walter, yeah. Walter, yeah. I can't stop seeing him as Walter. Like, no, no, we got to do it like this. (laughs) Yeah, he, as a director, maybe he was out of his element. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Sorry, John. It's okay. I did it. What's the worst insult? Me thinking you're dead or saying that maybe you're out of your element as a director? Who the fuck am I? Yeah, you you killed him. Who did I kill? Uh, Wade Boggs. Wade Boggs, yeah. murdering people on this episode <laughs> the last little production note i'll bring up before we just talk some scenes and favorite moments or maybe not so so favorite moments is a uh, that bear surfboard brand was invented for the movie the stickers are awesome and it's still a brand of surfboards today the legacy of the bear surfboard brand kind of almost outlived the legacy of the film which is weird yes i mean uh i mean because the fact that i mean obviously you get the logo in the surf but i think in the surfing community this is a pretty big movie fair enough but at the time it was really really panned kind of forgotten for years didn't really get a release i think um because of the director and the director's friends it got re-released uh just for me if you can make a brand that you were just originally inventing for marketing that is still a brand today. Yeah. If that's insane to me. I wonder who collects that money. I hope I hope it's Lucas uh, and Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know I, I wouldn't say I hope it's them but they have enough money. They can't really complain. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, so let's talk about the film when we open up it is in those teenage years so let's talk about this first chapter first if you will uh what do you like about uh the 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 youth of these surfer gang they don't really have a name but 
No, but they're well. What are they? They they do have like there's a style, right? No, the hot dogging. They they mention in the documentary that's like their their style of surfing, hot dogging. Oh yeah, yeah. So I guess they're hot doggers. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of these early part it's about like the legends of them, and Bear meeting Bear again. He's our big Kahuna. I love when um you know he's just talking to them and like no one surfs forever. That's that's what I titled that scene. That great scene when he's like um, coding a surfboard in his surf shack. Yeah, and the kid's talking to him. And then what ends up being kind of his arc is there's an older gentleman that's just like they refer to as kind of like the garbage man, right? Mm-hmm. And that's who Bear kind of ends up. He he says it himself. He's like, oh, I'm just the garbage man at the end of the movie, which is weird. I like. I really want to. You know, when we get there, I want to talk about it. I'm like, Bear's arc really kind of confuses me. But this is where we meet the guys, right? And something about this movie, it's two hours long. There's a lot of long vignettes. Like, that's what that's how I would describe this movie. Yeah, it's the Caddyshack of surfing. <laughs> <laughs> Except a lot less funny. Yes. Um, there is that, like, diner scene early on. Yeah, burgers and spaghetti. Burgers classic. and spaghetti, yeah. Classic classic foodie scene. But the real first scene that I was like, oh, I really enjoy what I'm watching here, is that party scene. Crashers! Crashers, the fighting. Classic, <laughs> classic team party here. A lot of drinking. And the mom is in the room just reading a book. I think the mom's an interesting character. She's a single mom and she tolerates, but like, I don't know. What do you think of the, like this whole party and like, the, again, and the mom just reading? Yeah, it's very interesting. So, again, so it's, yeah, it's Jack's mom and Jack is kind of the most behaved of these three guys, the most straight edge of the three guys. And... I guess they kind of got the word out that they're going to be having a party at Jack's, which it seems like that's usually where, you know, we never meet anyone else's parents. So maybe he comes from, even though, I mean, he just, she's a single mom. Maybe that's like the most sustainable household. I don't know. Uh, And that's where they party. And so they throw this party and she's just like, the music's a little, little too loud. Just even from her room. Cause some girls go in there and then Jack goes in and is, talking and it's like i i I make this choice like this isn't my party 
you know, it's always it's always Matt. Uh, and she's like, just make sure this person doesn't stand on my table. <laughs> and she's just really cool about it. Which, again, you have to imagine just because something specific like that that maybe that's milius's mom in a way or 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 a mom you know that he knew of somebody else's and you just don't think of like parents of that time being that cool but you know maybe or at the same time could have taken artistic liberty with it but anyway yeah there's this party is just a ruckus and there's people hooking up they're bringing kegs in there uh there's karate <laughs> there's uh what else is going on i i love the use of music in this that we literally get a, a a changing of a 45 to i forget what the song was playing before but it goes to what i say for the fight like should literally a girl like uh, changes it so the 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 fight has music to it <laughs> so yeah it's just a really fun scene yeah i love the phonetic nature of this party i just love the way it's shot, this is such a you know pretty movie, and like you said, these these crashers like that, the fight is just awesome. Yeah, did you get the name? I was trying to figure out like who the, who that big guy was that was just taking punches and giving them back that was on the side of our guys. Is that the one who died? No, it's okay, not. it's not him. Yeah. That's what I was wondering later. Then I don't Wa- know. Waxer, yeah, it's not Waxer. That we'll get into the waxer thing in a little in a little bit, but yeah, love that party. Love the kind of the romances that are brewing. Kind of weird that like a uh, bear is just outside with his Hawaiian friends. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's an adult, and these are like teenagers partying. And he walks he walks in at one point, and they're all like dancing and romance. And he's like, you know, he's like, he's, like approves happily. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like that Robert Redford gift that people share. Yeah, yeah, just the, yeah. Yeah, the, the nod. Yeah, yeah, the nod. Ones. Yeah, from from uh, Grizzly Adams. Grizzly Adams. But yeah, he's just like gives a nod. He's like, I approve of this. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, ah, uh, the the good times are still going. <laughs> <laughs> the next vignette we get, and this is our kind of you know teenage teenage things. Uh, I guess they take a little trip to Tijuana. <laughs> yeah this this gets this gets kind of crazy it gets very crazy it's like sex shows and yeah there's sex shows people die people get shot and stabbed yeah and... tijuana's nuts <laughs> yeah which I, i've heard it is but I, I mean... i'm sure especially at the time you know yeah this is another thing like i said you you cite this a lot like where you definitely know it came from the director's life it definitely feels like the director or the writer like i was like oh we have to put it in that time we went to tijuana (laughs) yeah and i mean even when they're driving down there matt and peggy i pretty damn sure are having sex in the back of the car yeah you're you're right you're right and like the the people in the front are just like whatever jack leroy and uh, uh what's uh jack's girlfriend's name uh Peggy? Wait, is Sally or Peggy? Sally. Sally. Sally, Sally. Yeah. yeah. So they're in the front. and Yeah. But then the other thing that takes uh, Matt's attention is like, oh, look at that swell. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> and they get down there and she makes the announcement that she's pregnant. <laughs> and then and then I thought it was a joke, but it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. <laughs> then she gets punched in a bar. This is fucking crazy. This is crazy. I'm like, what is going on here? But the you car know gets destroyed. The car gets destroyed. There's that like virgin. That someone might have slept with, I'm not sure. Yeah, technically, I think Leroy gets married and then just leaves her there, like announces <laughs> it, and then just leaves her when they're just like something you you know they're pissed off at him. And there's a, there's a lot in this movie which again happened in. I mean this this is better than you know the beach party movies, but just as 
you know, the, while there is romance in this movie, it is much more about the bromance. And there's a lot of back and forth that I don't fully ex- understand, which is again happened like a lot between Frankie and uh Oh, uh Didi. Didi, yeah. But you know, the Frankie and Didi was such a back and forth of just like hot and cold. There's a lot of that in this film, like and then there's just, you know, people are easily forgiven by sh- sharing a drink with one another, which is great. I mean, you know, like if you know, with if friends can, you know, have to realize, you know, let's get over our friendship is more than that. But there was just a lot of that back and forth, which kind of didn't make me get lost, but it just made me kind of it just made me less invested. I could have gone along with a series of vignettes like this because they were fun. And I love the teenage stuff. I kind of got lost when it became this heavy adult stuff. Look, it's silly. You know, we kind of flash forward a little bit and all yeah, the guys. three years, yeah. Three years and all the guys are drafted, which originally I was like, oh, this is why I think this movie is going to be all a high school movie because people get drafted at 18. I didn't realize the year, though, and that was like the first year of the draft. So they were just drafting people of a certain age. You know, it wasn't just Mm 18-year-olds. So that's why they're a little bit older, probably. It's it's weird that they all got their number called, you know? Sure, you you are much more knowledgeable in the the workings of that. Uh, Like you said, I mean, this is the, you know earliest in the in the in the draft of vietnam and it's 1965 so if we're to assume that our three leads are 17 18 years old that they're 20 21 years old and like you said that out of their group i think like five of them six of them get their uh get the their letter and uh, only two you know two out of the five or six get drafted and I always thought that they started drafting later. I thought the first draft was in 68 or 69, but um, I know you could look up online like if you would have been drafted. Everyone Google, would I have been drafted in Vietnam? And there's like sites that'll tell you. So let's see, August 21st, that's my birthday. Would I have been drafted? I would not have been drafted. Let's, let's, I'll yeah, put yours in, for, Kyle. Yeah, do it for me. This might be just one particular year or like the first year they did it. So June 15th. You were drafted, Kyle. Wow, oh, <laughs> and I'm and and I'm dead. This is, this is obvious. You got to lean on that asthma. <laughs> <laughs> they say here the first draft was in '69, so I don't know. But if both of us were theoretically the same age in, in the year 1969, you would have been drafted, and I would not have been. So I'd be like, bye, Kyle. <laughs> 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 forever i would have gone to canada uh, i think it's platoon again where it's like something along the lines of they say if you're gonna die in nam you die early that way like you don't go through it you know they say the worst people is like if you're three days to leave and then you die because you had to spend like a year in vietnam it's like me getting covid <laughs> yeah <laughs> Got COVID towards. I mean, it's still going on. There's no joking. It's a serious thing. Go get vaccinated. Yes, go get vaccinated. We're just making an inside joke too because of your (laughs) your COVID history. Yes, you are vaccinated though, as am I. Yes, yes, I I am. I'm uh, November. I'm going to be due for my booster. Nice. The scene that a lot of people cite a lot though is that draft scene where they're all trying to get out of the draft, and some people are pretending they're gay. Some people are. uh, Gary Busey's pretending he's crazy you know there's no other way to which isn't a stretch 
which is which isn't a stretch. He just is like Gary Busey, be yourself. Um, the other guy is like pretending he's injured. Yeah, he has like the Forrest Gump brace on his leg. Yeah, the only one not doing anything is Jack, and then we even find out that Jack, like, yeah, just was on the line, got checked out, and was like, yes, I, I shall be drafted. You know. Yeah, he didn't even say that. He said, I'm signing up, so he does a three-year tour because he feels like it's his duty. The way these characters are positioned is that, again, Matt is like the surfer bum drunk. Leroy is just crazy, you know? And Jack at the beginning, I think he's a lifeguard at this point. He's like the straight-laced one with the serious girlfriend. and Yeah, the morals. Yeah, morals. So he feels like it's his duty to serve, and he serves for three years. Grows an awesome mustache. Grows an awesome mustache, but his life essentially falls apart because when he returns... His girlfriend has married another person. Not that he's against this, but Leroy has gone off and he's like one of the greatest surfers in the world and like a documentarian and he, you know, he's doing his thing. Like he's actually one of the few surfers who gets to live their dream surfing. Yeah, he's off and he's gone to the islands and he's surfing like 25 foot swells or something like that. And, And what's Matt up to at this point? Matt is with Peggy. I don't know if they're married at this point. Later on, he tells Jack's mom, oh, I, I married Peggy. Um, but the, so they have, you know, they have their daughter. So at this point, she's, well, in 65, she's like three years old. So when he comes back yeah, in 60, she's like, yeah, six years old. It seems like he, you know, they're financially not doing great, but he's still with Peggy and they seem to have a pretty decent relationship he almost seemed worse off in 65 and he has like that moment with uh jack and he's drunk and jack punches him and that's like in the 65 you know part of the story that's when bear is getting married and they make up there they share a drink together but then uh you know they say goodbye to jack at jack's mom's house and everyone, you know, and they're all him. Jack and Waxer are the only ones going. Waxer is the one that was pretending to be gay. One guy was pretending to be a Nazi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was crazy. And just a note on Bear. He, again, he's the Big Kahuna. He's a surf bum. And again, I'm referring to Big Kahuna, the character in Gidget. But he's he's the like older surf bum who's kind of a legend to the guys. But he has a surf shack. And we see that at one point that like he's... This takes place in Malibu, and as we saw in Gidget and some of the other Beach Party movies, that Malibu, while in Los Angeles, was very much the Wild West. Like, it wasn't interconnected with the city. It wasn't where Tony Stark had his house yet. (laughs) We see that kind of encroachment come in a little bit in a sense that, like, you know, their lifeguards are going to start to be at the beach, and they're going to start developing the area a little bit more. And Bear is upset by it. But then, a couple years later... Bear has built this successful surf brand, and he's rich, and he's getting married, and all these things are going. He wears a cape to his wedding. He looked like he was a white Lando Calrissian. That's what I was like building to. When he gets married, he has this glorious cape that is like what? (laughs) Like why didn't I have a cape when I got married? I would. I don't know. You really fucked up. You really, Uh, honestly. You're still single. Yep. And and you've never fucked up. Nope. So you need a cape when you get married, and make sure. Fun thing. That's all I'm going to wear. <laughs> no, again, I picture you in the Tommy Bahama wedding, but maybe with a cape. Okay. I could live with that. Those two things do not go together. It will be the quickest marriage divorce <laughs> ever. Definitely bring this up on a first date. Yes. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, any other scenes you want to talk about before we get into the end that really stuck with you? Um, let's see. I'm just, like, looking at... So, it goes from 62 to 65 to 68. That's when, uh, yeah, Jack comes back. We find out Waxer was killed in action. Um... We see the culture changing a little bit with uh, with hippies because Matt and Peggy are grabbing lunch at what used to be like the not the diner, but I think a place that they used to. And they were asking for Cokes and hamburgers. I love the hippies just like, you know, there's incense and the hippies just like uh, we don't serve animal hostilities here. Uh, so just like totally, you know, that's just showing uh john seeing the changes over the years in california uh in the 68 part that's when we get liquid dreams that's the documentary that uh matt and peggy and their daughter i'm blanking on her name that they go to see. i think melissa they go to see but he's only in a for a quick little bit and it's much more about that uh professional surfer i said before changing of the times yeah and then also bear has lost everything his wife has divorced him he's an alcoholic I don't, yeah okay so yeah no i wanted to get i wanted to get to the end in this sense because bear what a weird trajectory right like he's a beach bum then he's rich then he's then he's fucking what is the guy called again uh garbage man the garbage man yeah at this point he's not full garbage man but he's but he's i don't think we we don't see him in this act we just hear about him and then in the or this whatever you want to call it the 68 time then we see him in in 74 but yeah, we just find out via Matt, I believe, telling Jack that yeah, Bear Bear has yeah, his wife has divorced him, and he so I guess lost some maybe maybe she took some things in the divorce, and then he drank all the rest of his money away supposedly. And I I like that all these chapters are also called I wrote I wrote them down. Let me see. The first one is um the South swell summer 1962 and then it's the west swell 1965 then it's the north swell 1968 then we get to the great swell 1974 and at that point none of the guys are like talking to one another and we yeah we see bear as the garbage man and it's much more it's very clear at this point even starting with the with the 68 part that Matt is like our main guy, you know, it's really kind of being more told through his eyes and a bit more of his struggles. And so at this point, yeah, he's just talking with bear and bear really wants, he's like, these swells are going to come. They're going to be these great waves. And he really wants those three guys, Jack, Leroy and Matt to come back and surf them. And Matt can't get a hold of these guys. Doesn't know really where they are, but then they all kind of magically, up here on the beach at that at that that it really is cool i liked in all these films i like the kind of entrance way to the beaches we got that a lot like with the vehicles driving in on beach parties and gidget kind of had like this kind of like staircase thing and this film it's very you know it almost reminded me of like the set of the leonardo dicaprio romeo and juliet it was very like concrete and almost like ruins on a beach had a very weird vibe to it. Yeah, I know. I definitely agree with that. So, uh, you know, the scene you're alluding to, of course, is our uh, ending and big ending. And this is 
probably the our most big mem- Wednesday ending. Our big Wednesday ending, yes. <laughs> it's probably the most memorable thing from the movie, from what I read, right? Like on YouTube, this is the clip that people watch most. It's just the the big reunion between the three guys because the swells are finally huge. They are huge. Like, they really found these awesome, awesome waves to shoot on. And just like Gidget, but better, or like Beach Party, but better. It's a long, long shot of the surfing here when the three guys finally get together and have a little reunion on the beach. Yeah, I mean, this is just a big moment in the movie. It's they're having their reunion, which isn't that a name of a surfing movie, Reunion? That's a surf bar that we've been I know that's a surf bar, but I think that there's a surf movie called... I don't know. Anyway. uh, But yeah, it's just a big moment, obviously, in the movie. I mean, it's our climax, but it's just... It's all been leading up to this. There's been some beautiful shots in the film of them surfing, but this is just the the overture of it all. I mean, water is, you know, also always, like, used in uh, film, uh, you know, thematically, uh, you know, symbolizing, uh, you know, baptism, rebirth. So it's just like kind of these guys maybe having one last go. I mean, we get, you know, even, I mean, at the end of it, because is it maybe this is, you know, the last time, we don't know, is this the last time that all these three guys are going to see one another? Is this going to be the last time? I don't think it's the last time they're all going to surf, but maybe for Matt, maybe he's like finally... Going uh, to just also yeah. surf on those kind of waves because the last one yes, came, came yeah. in what 1940 and it's 1974. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we get Matt giving the surfboard to the kid at the end, very uh, Mean Joe Green kind of commercial style. Yeah, yeah, I think that's like it's super cool. It's it's a beautiful scene. It's such a nice moment. What do you think of like the uh, makeup, if you will, like to make them look older? I don't really think any like I mean a little bit before. I mean it's hard to tell once they get got like wet and we're surfing but i guess they're trying to make matt look older with the glasses and there were kind of some gray streaks in their hair but i don't think it was anything like too crazy on the uh, i mean you know after vietnam jack has a mustache i wasn't like the biggest fan of that but i i I also recognize we live in the hd era when this is on film probably didn't look like that because like you have one of the guys is like a ripped six pack and he's got like gray streaks in his hair and i know there's plenty of ripped guys with gray hair i'm not saying that but yeah, definitely rest in peace the late jack lowane so. yeah for sure but it was a little odd because they definitely were aging them up i think they could probably do a better job today hell you know they made joe pesha young in a movie recently right so i don't know but <laughs> they did a good job for the time so I, like i didn't hate it that much but it is noticeable that like these guys well gary Busey, no because gary Busey, i think has looked the same forever the other two guys, it is a little bit noticeable, especially, again, the guy without the mustache, that, like, they're trying to age them up a bit. But it's not distracting. I think what's more distracting is, and a lot of reviews said this, like, uh, the director loves to focus on their, like, abs a lot and, like, their bodies a lot, which is, it's a very visual movie, I'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I didn't uh, notice an uh, abundance of it, per se, more more than you would expect, I think, in a... Uh, uh, you know a beach movie a surfing movie or whatever but but i get what you're saying yeah like just the they still seem youthful but i did i don't know just like with the years what so the the final it, it's 12 years after our 
story takes place. It, it, you know, it's the, twelve. The it's twelve years. Yeah. Like so. It's, so again. So are what? So honestly, at that point, they're. So why age them like that? Is my point. They're, yeah, they're thir- well, but I don't think that they really. I don't know. I, I didn't think that they. Like I said, the my least favorite parts of this film were the our passages through time. I would have preferred like a shorter, more concise story because there was points like, wait, they're divorced now. He he's with her. Wait, this person was there. like, yeah, which makes me curious. Like, was there a narrator always? Yeah, you know? mm, that's a good call. That's a good call. Like, I'm just totally blanking on like if there was like even like really the narrator was used a lot towards the end. No, he wasn't. It was just like, yeah, was, yeah. That that part was weird. But in art, right? In most artistic ventures, certainly in film or TV, how you end it is so important. Game of Thrones, amazing show. You can't take away. From its accomplishments. People still won't rewatch it because of the way it ended, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love how this movie ends. I love how it begins. It makes up for me what I think is a little bit of a lackluster middle. You, you've said it. I've said it. There's just... The movie's filled with a lot of great visuals. And so... And it just seems like a kind of a love letter to the time and to those people and that culture. So that that's what ends up winning in the end of the day. So I'll say this. I do not know why they thought this movie was going to be a blockbuster. I see this more as what we would call today like an independent film. I know it didn't have that budget, but it feels like, like you said, like a personal visual story. Not something that I would compare to Jaws or Close Encounters, you know? No, much closer to what we encountered with Itumama Itambien. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's another story that takes place over a couple of days, too, FYI, which I'm noticing I kind of think I like those more. But still, you're so right, right? A personal, visual story, not a blockbuster. <laughs> I don't know. Again, I'm not, a, I'm not a film executive in the late 70s. I can't tell you what they were thinking. But yeah, anything else you want to mention from Big Wednesday? We get teens at the beginning, reunion at the end? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much it. I don't think I really wrote... Any other specific, uh, I just always put little asterisks next to um, specific parts. Let me just look at those. Burgers and spaghetti. That was one of my ones. We don't see a lot, 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 lot towards the food stuff. We don't, you know, we don't serve the animal hostilities. Um, yeah, no, that's about it. All right. So who was this movie made for? Uh, I mean, I think. John was making it for himself and for the kid and people that he grew up with. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's why you don't make movies like that, blockbuster movies. That's actually what I wrote, too, like, for himself. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Uh, George wrote about the rebellion that he was a part of, so. <laughs> American Graffiti is that movie for him. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. And Spielberg is making a movie now about his childhood. Oh, so. really? Is he? Yeah. I, forget I feel like. Playing. Forget who's playing his father or in who's playing the younger version of him. It's weird. I feel like Spielberg made that movie when he was a child making those kind of movies, you know? Yeah, that or, I mean, just so many of his movies. I mean, like E.T. because he came from like a divorce house. Oh, yeah, and stuff yeah, like for that. sure. So like there was always a little extension of him. But yeah, there's, there's, uh, oh my God, Jesus Christ. I click on Spielberg on his IMDb upcoming projects. 39. Jesus <laughs> well, I'm sure a lot of those are his producer and stuff. No, yeah, yeah exactly. But it's just, it's just kind of, it's kind of funny that yeah you know like i i unless it's like called the spielberg movie i have no idea like you know i would be able to find in here what that's called but anyway 
most likely to succeed? Who won the movie? Um, I don't know. I guess, I guess Matt kind of did. He seems the most at peace by the end. Um, you know, Leroy's going off, uh, and he's going to be, sur- you know, he's going elsewhere and surfing some big swells. I mean, Bear seems content that he's a garbage man now. Um, but yeah, Matt, I guess, I think, I think Matt does. Cause yeah, he just, he just seems the most at peace, most like, you know, like kind of accepting his place in life now. Yeah. It's certainly not Jack. Definitely not. Uh, and in terms of Leroy, I was going to say him, but as great as this moment was for him, surfing with his buddies, he's been around the world. I'm sure he's hit swells similar to this, you know. You're right. For Matt, like, this is his moment. So, yeah, I, I have to agree. It is Matt. Wooderson Award. Is there a character here who you would have liked to see more of? Um, I'm going to say that big guy because I like a guy that can take a punch <laughs> and I didn't even officially get his name. It was probably said early on, but I had the subtitles on and like when they were saying he was there saying goodbye to Jack and Jack didn't unfortunately didn't say his name. I was going to like rewind at that point Damn. at the beginning of the film. So and I couldn't, you know, because actors are older looking on their IMDb or some of them are on their IMDb. I just couldn't figure out who he was, but I liked him. He was a cool guy. Actually, at the same time, I want those Hawaiian guys. They were cool. I don't know what their deal was. <laughs> That's who I wrote the Hawaiian guys. Yeah. <laughs> what was his? What's the? What's the name in? Um, uh, <laughs> Shallow Hal. Lee Boy. Lee I, knew Boy. Gonna, I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> guys, sorry, sorry for bringing up Shallow Hal. <laughs> <laughs> And I know you like a, a big guy. You like an enforcer. Like that's one of your favorite type of characters. How about a another a good character, goon? Another character named Bear in a movie you enjoy, Armageddon. Yeah, Michael exactly. Clark Duncan. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the superior bear. Long Duck Dong Award. Of course, this is a character whose omission would make the film better. There wasn't too many offensive things in this movie. Maybe, no. maybe the fact that there's no diversity in it. No diversity. Well, I guess they go to Mexico, but it's not. Well, they go to Mexico. There were a couple. There was. There was. Uh, I guess kind of that drill sergeanty kind of guy oh that's true that's true and and there was there was a uh, there was a black guy early on i think at like a party or something and then there were the hawaiian guys but nonetheless which one of them says like oh his people used to be cannibals but um yeah yes. and then like i guess some people could be offended by them trying to draft dodge but that is what people were trying to do at the time yeah. so that's just telling a story yeah I actually wrote down for this, and I purposely kept this out of our discussion, but I was really not confused. How how can I put this in a nice way? The character of Waxer, Daryl Fetty is the actor. Nothing wrong with him. But he's barely in the movie. Like, they mention him from time to time. And then when he dies, it's such an impactful scene to them. I was torn between either cutting that whole thing out or making him my Wooderson Award choice, like making him a fourth in these three friends, you know? Yeah, there were like too many other like kind of ancillary guys. I mean, to the fact that I said that I, that whoever that, you know, the guy that could take a punch. Like that, that they should be combined to the same person. Yeah, like if so, I know this is longer than a character we'd eliminate, but I'm kind of leaning more on making a fourth friend that dies. So I think that'll be even more impactful at the end when it's just the three of them surfing. You know, and they're like remembering their friend. Like, it was weird that they were like so, and I'm sure they were heartbroken and anyone would be heartbroken of a friend, but we didn't focus them enough. I'm like, 
oh, that guy's dead? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in, like, in 68, like, you know, like I said, we never, like, met anyone else's parents, but, like, Matt goes up to his parents, like, oh, I was a friend of, uh, you know, I think his name was Jim, really, or something like mm-hmm. that. And But he's like, you know, yeah, I was, I was a friend of his. And then Matt's, I think, I think Matt says to Peggy that, like, yeah, like, nobody else out of our group showed up for his funeral, which I thought was weird, because, again, there was a bunch of people while, yes, this is three years later but like at the at the little get together say goodbye to jack like there were a bunch of other people there you know that the narrator does say going into that 68 part you know some people have moved away some people have even died so they're talking about what's his name at that point but um i'm even saying what's his name so there you go (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but yeah so yeah it would have been a little bit more impactful if there was yeah a core group of four or something like that because um yeah everyone else although i am a little confused by jack also at the end too he seemed to have such a specific arc and then he kind of falls off and not falls off as in uh like he becomes the what walkin is to deer hunter because again that's a trio you know that's a group of guys and you know there's a couple guys that what th- three of them three of them go to nam but then there's but there's a group of them back at home. Uh, there's like a burly enforcer guy in that group, and then there's uh, John Gonzale, you know the late you know, Fredo, late great, uh, late actor, uh, one of the greatest actors of all time, right? So even his track record when track record when it comes to Oscar nominated movies, Susan. But that was a clear group of guys in in Deer Hunter. So yeah, it was just a little weird in this movie that yeah by that last act and they're all uh, uh, talking about Waxer and saying oh you know I think Matt says he always like let everyone else get the oh you get that wave like we didn't we didn't recognize that and they're like referencing you know it's just, it was weird yeah it was weird it was clunky it was just I don't know there's a you know I love the the show Clone High and. TV show about clone high schoolers. But uh, there's this episode where, and it's more making fun of Dawson's Creek and 90210 and show, shows like that. But there's this episode where they introduce uh, this character, Ponce de Leon, and he's best friends with JFK. And everyone in the show is pretending like he's been on the show the entire time. And they're like, oh, <laughs> JFK and Ponce, they're inseparable. And he dies in the episode. And like the whole thing is about grief and mourning. And it's just, but it's also making fun of the fact that like teen shows of the time would, Dawson's Creek would always do this, right? Like, it was Will Forte Lincoln. Yeah, Will Forte was Lincoln. Um, the creator, <laughs> the creators of that, the creator that is the creator of Ted Lasso. So my love of Bill Lawrence, my love of this guy has gone on since I was literally in high school. Bill I Lawrence. really hope Will Forte shows up in season three of Ted Lasso. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> That's like an often mocked thing in like teen TV shows. And I guess it comes through in teen films too. It's like a lighter character who dies and everyone is like super upset. But it's like, where was this guy? You know, yeah. but you know, what's another show that used to do that a lot. Seventh Heaven. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Like, well, that's all like, and that all comes from like after school, like after, you know, school teen episode, you know, like that all has that vibe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. After oh, school you, specials. You know it did that too, because it's it's like really highlighted in uh, that like Zach Morris is trash. Like, uh, what's it called? Saved by the Bell. Like there was yeah. there were. I remember the Zach Morris is trash episode where Zach Morris like dates a disabled girl. He starts like making fun of her, and then says he's you know whatever he learns about her, and 
they're yeah. gonna be friends forever and it's like we never see her again <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm full house doesn't the oh yeah Ste- full house did that too yeah stephanie had the was friends with the with like the goober leather jacket kid from the first mighty ducks and he like gets abused or whatever it's like you can't have that to the main characters so like you know yeah, exactly you need, these, you need these three guys at the end so you need someone to die but it's like yeah give a little more gravitas to it that episode the full house like I remember getting chills as a kid watching that because, like, when when Joey, when Stephanie tells Joey, he just like runs to the phone. Yeah, it's like Joey's supposed to be funny. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, I almost, but like Joey, what are you doing? She said not yeah. to tell. You know, I wasn't like, oh my god, he's doing the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just like a big kid in our eyes. So it's like, what are you yeah. doing? You're tattling yeah. on us. No, that's what it felt like. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, Cameron Fry Award. Do the three guys seem convincing as teenagers, at least in the first scene? Uh, a little bit. They definitely seem... I, I didn't look to see what age they were when they were making this, but they they seem a little older. Yeah, I think they like cut it in the middle, you know what I mean? So they could play yeah, exactly. younger and play older. Yeah. So Jan, Michael, Vincent. Let's see. What year was this movie again? Uh, 78. Yeah. So what year is he born? Yeah, yeah, okay. He's 34. Wow, yeah. So, yeah, a lot older than I thought. William Cat. William Cat was younger. A lot younger. Wow, okay. Yeah, these guys were very different ages. That, that's so crazy. So, William Cat was 27. So, that's five years younger. And Gary Busey. Oh, Gary Busey was also 34. Jesus, Gary Busey fucking been around a while. 77 now. It wasn't that bad, considering they were, like... Two of them were in their early 30s. It wasn't that bad. No, no, no. Yeah. But but still, yeah, I agree with you. Okay, so let's grade the movie, Kyle. Your last summer movie, at least this summer, to grade. Handing you the red pen, Manila report card, A plus to F scale. Cheat sheet, though. I was kind of surprised by these grades. 67% by the critics, but 87% by the audience. Hmm. A little higher than I thought it would be, because I, I can imagine this is not everyone's cup of tea. On Letterbox, where the nerds reside, out of five stars, 3.7 stars. So pretty good. That's a really good score in Letterbox. But Kyle, what will you grade Big Wednesday? Go to B minus. That's exactly what I had, actually. And I thought I was going to be like lower than you or lower than other people. Because when I saw these like kind of high grades, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I had like B, B minus. I thought it was a beautiful movie. I love how it began. I love how it ended. It could be better in my mind. It's not a blockbuster, it's not Jaws, but yeah, I mean, still a good movie. I'm really happy to watch it, and a very pretty movie. I could watch those end surf scenes forever. Yeah, interesting movie of the times, you know, one of the, not not too many movies that John directed, so, you know, definitely a a love letter, a passion project of his, so cool in that sense, but between, you know, the kind of movie you said you'd prefer to see, or just even the ways that we said that it could be a little tighter and a little, uh, just to have a little bit more of a story arc for some of its characters and stuff like that. I just, I don't know what was maybe left on the, I could see this being a movie that they shot a lot, and then some stuff was maybe left on the cutting room floor. I, you know, who knows? There's not as much, as good a doc, you know, uh, documentation on studio involvement as 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 it's you know well documented uh today you know and stuff like that like we know like heart eight wasn't the film that pt anderson wanted uh maybe maybe there's something that's mentioned about it in 
in the Milius documentary. So I'll have to go back and or Milius. My, my so I'll have to go back and watch that. And then you can tell us the correct pronunciation. Yes. <laughs> this should be a good one. What is your? Oh, it's not sleeping bags. I was going to say sleeping bags. It's beach towels. What is your big Wednesday? beach towel look like if you and i were having a beach slumber party for the last time this summer what does it look like i want that bear symbol oh you took mine but it's an awesome symbol it's an awesome symbol damn what am i gonna have then tijuana a little weird (laughs) the car the cars on this were were reminiscent of the beach party movie cars i thought that was cool visually visually I did like the different uh, surfboards he was designing. Like one had like a lot of the logos. Uh, huh. Was there a brand of beer they were drinking? I couldn't really see. It wasn't really that distinct. No, I think someone had a Schlitz Hawaiian shirt on. Yes, yes, that's my towel. Actually, that's what I was thinking of while I was watching it. Because he's talking about how like, you know, he's trying to, he's kind of an alcoholic or whatever. And he has a Schlitz Hawaiian shirt. Like, did you get that from like drinking like, hundred beers and, that, and yeah, turn, that's, or that's turning like in the, bottle caps. That's the great bar shirts of the day. <laughs> Pepsi points or something, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, but I'm like, that's an awesome Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. That's what my towel looks like. That Schlitz Hawaiian. It looks like something that people would wear today, you know? Yeah. I would wear it if I'm sure I'm going to Google and see if I can find it. <laughs> All right, Kyle, for the last time this summer. Who knows if we'll rent this bungalow again next summer on San Emilio Island. Who knows where we'll be in our lives. I was going to say, maybe I'll be married. I am married, but you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll have a kid. Uh, no, that probably won't happen, but maybe you'll be off in the army or uh, you'll, you'll be the With garbage Pauly man. Shore. With Pauly Shore, yes. Maybe you'll be the garbage man. Who knows where we'll be. But for the last time this summer, our big Wednesday or whatever day this episode airs. I don't have episodes on Wednesdays, so it's not a Wednesday. But you and I go to that old blockbuster on San Emilio Island on the corner of Anchor Ave. We know we're renting Big Wednesday. But we get to the front counter. We see a sign that says rent two movies. Get one free. And I say, Kyle, for the last time all summer, what two movies should we rent with Big Wednesday? Oh, this is a tough one. Um, so you mentioned one point break that I was considering. Uh, shout out to uh, Keanu Club. And, and and Too Fast Too Forever, since it's the same movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I won't get into that. But I'm going to go with Surf's Up. Because it's a very... Oh, uh, <laughs> what? Surf's Up isn't that a, a animated movie? Yeah, about penguins. So, so shout out to the what was the Shia podcast? Uh, all his mo- all his movies. Yeah, all his movies. Was that an all his movies movie? Because they stopped that after. Yeah, but I guess it's two thousand seven. So how could it not have been? They weren't podcasting yeah. two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah. I like that movie a lot. It shows it's a fun like kind of. It is, it Mo- is. mockumentary. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a Disney anim- animated movie, which you know is just you know they, they're such just a dominating force in the animation game that that's pretty cool. And it's got like real life like surfers doing voices, but then I don't know. You got Jeff Bridges doing like the dude as a penguin surfer. I, yeah. I, I I like it. 
and uh, a real love of surfing, so it works well with these surfing movies. And then my other one is a movie that you've covered on this podcast, and I was offended I wasn't asked to be a part of, Surf Ninjas. Surf Ninjas. Also, our, our good friend Danny Kim was offended he wasn't on that one. <laughs> Surf Ninjas, yes. Awesome. I love those two. Um, I'm going to have, since it's the last time in the summer, we're going to stay up all night drinking pina coladas until we pass out. I'm going to pick two others as well, as I've been doing from time to time. Maybe they're obvious, but I feel like they need to be mentioned with this. They're the, the two famous surf documentaries. One, of course, being The Endless Summer. Uh, you familiar with that one? Familiar. I, I've, I haven't, I haven't like sat down and watched it. I watched it once. Um, it was cool. Very visual, obviously. And the other one, which I've not seen, but I'm told like this is the surf documentary that everyone says you should watch riding giants which came out in 2004 which i really have to see i know it's directed by stacy peralta famous skateboarder so uh, i guess he's a surfer too yeah uh, did you cover was lords of dogtown a movie you covered Is no that... i don't think that's high school or like i don't think they're teens are they i think they're like I, a little... in the beginning i think they're in high school Check it out. Mm, I'll have to check it out. I'll have to write that down. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a movie that definitely jumps around in almost maybe not as much time as this movie. I mean, it's in the end, it's only 12 years, but so maybe, maybe as much, but yeah. Yeah. I'll have to really watch it again and figure that out. If anything, it's like, if you're considering the beginning of this movie, the 1962 part as like the, you know, as obviously their only high school time, it's like the same amount. Yeah, I'll rewatch it again. But the other reason I covered this movie and I want to end with this movie is because um, sometime this month in September, we're going to be covering high school reunion movies. And I can't really, I can't wait to do this lap. Like, this is something that I was on the fence with for years, and now I'm like, fuck it. So many great reunion films, Romeo and Michelle, American Reunion, which I know you'll be on, Kyle. Uh, just, just, just some great movies in yeah. that genre. How could you not cover those movies while this is a high school reunion podcast? You know, in a way. You know, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely can't wait to talk at least American Reunion. Yeah, um, you know, there's another one you're technically signed up for, but our good friend Danny Kim is as well, so we might hold off on that one. But yeah, I thought this would be a good transition into our senior year which I'm excited about. But Kyle, thank you so much for spending the summer with me, making drinks with me. I, again, I know you'll, like I said, be on in other episodes, but it'll be a different time in a different place. We'll have our responsibilities back. This was a great summer in the sand and the surf and at the pool and at the golf course once. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Kyle, Foodie Films, is it on the horizon? Is it coming back in... 2021 or do we have to wait until 2022 uh, i don't think that long just because it's unfair to uh you know i recorded some episodes back in eight or even before then with you and manzi all the way back in like i think like february <laughs> <laughs> well you've had a whole year so you must have like 50 episodes backlogged oh yeah 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 <laughs> um but no i was recently up in uh the great state of Vermont, and I recorded an episode. I was wondering where you were that weekend. I was like, yeah. Kyle, you're not, I thought you were just passed out on the beach. Wow, you helicoptered all the way to Vermont. Awesome. Yeah, and I, uh, yeah, just ate a lot of cheddar and, uh, you know, drank some, drank some beers. Drank a lot of beers. A lot of Bud Lights. But I assume that you mentioned it because you 
had a guest on, right? Yes, I had a guest on. Yeah, I, uh, some cool things going on up at this one restaurant in uh, in uh, in Stratton, Vermont, where they have a lot of New Orleans musicians, and uh, so it was kind of cool since I haven't been down there in almost this February would be uh, two years, which blows my mind. Um, so I got to see great musician Glenn David Andrews, but uh, interviewed Kate Logan, who is the manager, and it's a family business. Her parents own it, own it, uh, the Red Fox Inn, it's called. Uh, and so, yeah, so once that episode comes out, check it out. I don't know what's coming out, though. So, <laughs> Well, once again, this summer was a blast. Guys, stay tuned for Foodie Films. Stay tuned for food stay tuned for the reunion movies and the other movies we're going to have this summer Uh, and kyle for the last time why don't you start blending those pina coladas but do it away from when i'm recording because i don't want that sound on the background all right mahalo bro (laughs) mahalo bro Charles tickling the ivory. Love to hear it. Of course, this was a song on the Big Wednesday soundtrack. And while Kyle makes those drinks in the kitchen, just want to let you know what's coming up on High School Slumber Party because we've got some big news for you. Big, big news. As we alluded to, as I already told you, your senior year starts Monday. Back to school, back to class. It's the end of our little summer excursion. I can't wait. Senior year is such a big deal. I hope you've already applied to and gotten to some colleges. If not, we're going to go with the movie timeline. It's crunch time. It's crunch time, guys. We're going to have a lot of fun this senior year. I promise you that. Before we get into it, though, just wanted to acknowledge the death of Michael K. Williams. What a great actor. Great TV actor. Great film actor. We actually saw him and talked about him in Critical Thinking, that chess movie. One of those more recent things. So, yeah, wow. Rest in peace, legend, gone way too soon. Let's see, what else was in my notes? Oh, (laughs) we kept talking about American Graffiti here, obviously the George Lucas semi-connection, but in Italy, this film was called Beach Graffiti, or it might have been in France, somewhere in Europe. Great title, such a different title. They definitely want to compare it to American Graffiti there. Let's see, let's see. (sighs) I'm procrastinating. Let's get into it. So, I mentioned on this episode that we were going to do a whole lap of reunion films. Kind of changed my mind. We're still going to do them, but there's so many, and there's so much interest in it. We're going to do it more spread out throughout the year. So, we'll have random high school reunion movie episodes. The interest among the guests was so, like, high, palpable. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. But everyone wanted to be on these movies. Everyone's really excited about it. So, you'll get one soon. But our first movie is not going to be a movie that's a reunion movie. It'll be a high school movie. Well, it's kind of a reunion movie in a sense. Joey Lundowski, The Godfather, will be opening up our September, well, it's already September, our school year, our senior year, and he wants to talk Twin Peaks. Yes, I know that's a show, but the movie apparently is a high school movie, 
And the film, of course, is called Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me. No other person who could have known where it was. Did Bobby give you this? Or is there someone new? Your Laura disappeared. It's just me now. You made me write it all down. Don't do that. She doesn't like that. How do you know what she likes? You know it's about to get weird if Twin Peaks is involved. I am not a Twin Peaks fanatic. I have watched the show kind of in the background. I haven't seen it like since college. I'm well aware of all the tropes and the Twin Peaks connections, but I'm not well versed in Twin Peaks. Joey just did a rewatch, so this is going to be a very fun episode. Not just of the movie, but of the entire series. So can't wait for that. And that is your homework. Not unofficial homework. Actual homework for Monday as we get back in the classroom. My favorite time of year. Better have those apples ready for teacher. One more thing before I let you go for the summer. And before I have my last pina colada with Kyle, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop, look around once in a while, you could miss it. Later, dudes.